reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We're doing a midweek show. Usually, we don't do midweek shows when we have Monday Night Football or Thursday Night Football, but it's week one, so it would suck to not start off with three episodes a week. Usually, this episode will be out on Wednesday, but uh, this episode is basically a little bit of cleanup from the, the previous game, and then mailbag and voicemail, and usually mailbag voicemail kind of hits all the topics. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Justin, uh, how are you doing, my friend? How, what's up with this kidney stone? Is it ever going to pass? I was going to give a kidney stone update. I'm glad that you asked. But Bobby Skinner, hello. I'm going to ask you how you're doing and how your first week of being uh, in sports media is going. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes, but I'm doing all right. Um, my kidney stone has not passed. This is officially day seven of my kidney stone. I was reading some places that it could actually take like a month to pass. So I'm in it for the long haul. I'll be good for a couple days. I'll be in pain for a day and then I'll be good for a couple days. Um, and we'll just, I'll, I'll just survive. You know who else is in it for the long haul, Justin? Kyle Knox. Joe, He's, he will Joe Knox oh. you out. Um, he's better than Kevin Knox. I'll just say it. And I was a Kevin Knox fan for the Knicks. He Kyle Knox is better than. And then Ethan Ghostlaw. There's any laws um, for ghosts? Ethan will be enforcing them. Um, <laughs> Justin, who are these two cats? So these two cats, Kevin Knox and Ethan Ghostlaw, which two wonderful names, by the way. We got some awesome names, especially with the alliteration um, with Kyle Knox. Knocked you out. Patreon.com backslash Talking Giants for $2 a month. One, two, you can get access to live shows as we record them, especially on Sundays after games, which there's going to be a lot of Sunday games, which is nice for us and nice for everybody else who works. Um, you also get a uh, free uh, entrance into raffles twice a month for free shirts, and you get behind-the-scenes access to other early content that we may put out. Yep. Patreon.com backslash Talking Giants. You said those who work. Are you going to say that I don't work anymore? Those who work, yeah, that was a little. I was a little shot. I was a little shot at you, Bobby. Now that you're a snobby media member, how how was your how was your first week? Your first full week going as a as a full time media worker? I straight up hate it. I miss working outside. I love. <laughs> I realized this week how much I love cleaning pools, how much I love every day putting my shoes on, getting out in the sun and sweating. I truly miss it. I know some people like they dread that. I can't stand that I ha I'm sitting down all day. I hate it so much. Now I'm, I'm uh, getting out to the beach or going out to the lake in the morning to you know get outside and and um, I actually will start working out tomorrow now that my foot um, has pretty much healed all the way. Um, but still, I, I miss the outside and I did feel myself getting a little bit of snob snobby because they didn't put the all twenty two out this week and I just wanted to complain online about how like you're messing with people's livelihoods. This is some people's jobs and I realized that's who I hate. So this morning I was, 
there was no one out on the golf course, but I had my phone out ready to yell at golf course people to remind people that I'm not snobby. Um, but they weren't out this morning, so um, no no golf people had me yell at them and honk my horn at them while they were in their backswing. You mentioned how putting on shoes was like a good part of your day. I dread the moment every day where I have to put on my socks. It's the most difficult thing. Now, I, I'm a bigger person. I don't I'm, feel I'm like the day person. has started until I put my socks and shoes on. I, the first day I, I went flip-flops, Justin... These last two days, as soon as I wake up, uh, you know, I I use the bathroom, brush my teeth, and then put my shoes on, and then leave the and I leave the house. And I still wake up. I'm still waking up at six in the morning too. I I can't go. I can't be this media loser. I know we're wasting a lot of time right now, but it's okay. My day automatically gets ten times worse than I when I put socks on. Cause he, cause here's the thing, and here I, I we'll we'll get to Giants football. I'm a bigger person, so there's a right angle where my stomach and then the lower part of my body meets. It's just a right angle. And it's hard for me to bend down and be flexible in that regard. So it's the worst part of my day. You shouldn't admit worst that. Worst part. You shouldn't admit that. Um, so I don't care. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Um, Giants obviously lost to the Steelers. You probably have already heard our uh, post-game show from that. Um, we'll, we'll get the mailbag voicemail in a second. How are you feeling, though, about the Giants as a whole? Because I think... I'm surprised about how positive people are because usually after a loss, it's just negative Nancy's no matter what. And I, and, and deservedly so losing sucks, but I feel like most people are pretty positive. Um, the Saquon issue, which we'll talk about, there's some stuff there. Um, but I feel like we're pretty positive because of what we saw from the defense and Daniel Jones. I, I, I feel like every, we'll, we'll talk about those two issues specifically, but I f- feeling pretty good going into Chicago. Yeah, Bobby, it's a matter of if the Giants and the 2020 Giants can differentiate themselves from the Giants of years before, where we've been in a similar boat of, oh, we're taking positive signs here, we're taking positive signs there, but then the next week, do they improve on that? And largely, the answer has been no. So really, you hate to say that week two is such an important, important game, but especially when you look at the schedule that we have upcoming... But let's just take week two by itself and not look at the season as a whole. Can the 2020 New York Giants and can Joe Judge take the good things that we did and the positive things, continue to build on that, but also fix up some of these little itty bitty mistakes that we did have um, and things that frustrated us, like you know running, you know, like with the heavy personnel, uh, like with sticking to the run on first down way too much and way too long. Can they fix these little things that made us, you know? irk us and also Daniel Jones's silly turnovers can we fix those things heading into another football game instead of constantly always just having having to look for positive signs in a loss right yeah yeah that's it it feels so much better the week after to talk about all the good things after after a win instead of being like well this was a positive this was a positive after a loss all right let's send it to Steve and we'll uh we'll get rolling All right, Steve from Blues Clues, Justin, let's get into the mail. All right, first up is Brian Porras at bporras1, Patreon member. Is it possible that Saquon, 
Ooh, Duke gang. Yes, big Duke fan. Um, Duke fan converted into a Giants fan with Daniel Jones. Is it possible that Saquon will never become a serviceable pass blocker? Isn't this a teachable skill? Um, never might be a strong word to describe this, but Bobby, I guess maybe we'll start with, isn't this a teachable skill? And then we'll describe if Saquon can improve overall. Well, one, it absolutely is a teachable skill, especially with someone who has the physical makeup of of uh, Saquon Barkley. It's one thing you're talking about Tariq Cohen, and he's just smaller than everybody. But yes, Saquon can be a good blocker. So I went, be- and to be fair, we're not talking about Saquon's blocking unless Tiki Barber doesn't bring it up. And I'm not, and I'm not saying Tiki Barber isn't right. Um, I, I think he exaggerated, which, you know, it is what it is. But... I went and looked at his blocks. He had 11 plays. Six were good blocks. One was iffy, where he got drive back, but it was fine. Um, and there was four bad blocks. Was Most of those were like when he was trying to like cut and go low, and it just didn't work, which I don't think Saquon, unless it's like a three-man, uh, a three-step drop, get it out. That's where you can do those things. Um, yeah. And then the one really bad one wasn't just like, a, oh, he wasn't physical enough, like Tiki was saying. It was the fact that he missed a blitz. Like, he missed the blitz, and he should have seen it. They showed it, and he just totally missed it. And that's mental. So to say that that won't get cleaned up, I mean, if 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 he doesn't make a mental mistake on that one play, we're not talking about Saquon's blocking. Like I said, there was four that's bad the- ones, but they when I say bad, it means they just weren't like they weren't horrendous. Like he got blown up, like Jamal Adams versus the Jets. No, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Outside of the one horrendous one where it was just a mental mistake. I don't really think that we're talking about this. So you have to figure that Saquon Barkley has to have the physical strength to handle, to handle whatever is put in front of him. Sure, are we going to ask him to block a stunting uh, defensive tackle that's coming in? Like we saw, you know, Ezekiel Elliott got flown all the way across the air on Sunday Night Football by Aaron Donald. Are we expecting that? Absolutely not. But yeah, if it wasn't for that one play... I'm not concerned. If it wasn't for that big one mental mental mistake that he had, I'm not that concerned. Yeah, and then, you know, specifically to Brian's question, is that fixable? Absolutely, that's fixable. Um, and then, like, the game where you remember his bad blocking was against Jets, who the Jets was against Jamal Adams, who is known for being, like, like he had another two sacks yesterday or yeah, on Sunday. Like, that's Jamal Adams is an amazing football player. He blows up tackles. I also am kind of tired of the mindset of, like, well, it was a good team. Well, if we want to be a good team, we got to beat the good teams. And and if Saquon yeah. wants to be a great player, he has to show up against – like we can't just be like, up, oh, Saquon, you're going against Jamal Adams. It's okay to lose. I don't agree with that. Um, but, yeah, it's absolutely fixable. And um, and I, I listened to what Tiki said, and I don't think Tiki was being overly negative. But this idea – I don't think it's an idea of him like just Saquon doesn't like contact. It's just I, – I don't know what it is. And – a lot. I I don't know what the issue is because he has all the gifts to be a good blocker, but I also disagree with Tiki where it's like, oh, he can't be a three down black. Like, come on, like re- let's relax on that. Yeah. Since we're talking about Saquon, we have a voicemail for Saquon. All right, hey guys, uh, a long time listener. I actually have my own podcast called the Mets News Podcast. But uh, anyway, back to the Giants. I don't. I love Saquon Barkley a lot, but I feel like if the line's not ready. Was it worth drafting him in a sense? And I, because it's not his fault that he didn't only rush for 15 yards. It's just that the line is terrible. It had no time to get mojoed. They're still a young team. 
And I know Saquon Barkley hits free agency soon. All right, so he got cut off there, but he, he basically got his question off. Um, the Giants have failed Saquon um, so far in his career. Now, I know where you stand and a lot of people stand with the Saquon issue. And I actually, I don't flat out disagree. Um, I was, I'm cool with the Saquon pick and we'll get into it in a second. But I don't view it as like, look, the Giants have failed him as like, oh, see, it wasn't worth it. Because would you say Joe Thomas wasn't worth it for the Browns? Um, unless, you know, QB is really the only position that totally, like if you're the best, you just, you're basically guaranteed winning if you're if you're the top of your position. And I get the running back. It, we're, we're, that's not even what we're talking about. I think you. I think there's a fair argument made for both sides because, for me, on that draft day, it was either Saquon or Quentin Nelson. And the people who say they sh- like, there's some people who are still like they should have went Rosen or Darnold. Um, I can't stand that. It's you don't take a quarterback unless you believe in him. So if they didn't believe in any of those QBs, they shouldn't have taken him. Now, granted, I would have loved that the the trade that the Jets gave the Colts. I don't know how all that worked. I'm not going to pretend to know how stuff worked. I don't believe the Broncos offered them. The only person that said that is Ben Albright, who is like a known liar. Like he had to delete his entire Twitter history because he's a liar. Um, he's lied about like even like military, like his family work. Like he's a liar. Um, I kind of go back and forth because basically I think we would have taken running back in round two and Nick Chubb probably would have been the person. Geis would have been a fail, but guys, Nick Chubb's been a good player. So it's a question of, to me, would you have rather had Quentin Nelson and Nick Chubb or Saquon Barkley and Will Hernandez? And we'll talk about Hernandez later. I still lean Saquon and Will Hernandez because as good as I believe guards are important, a running back can change a game. We've seen it with Saquon. Um, we haven't seen it where it's changed the team overall to where winning games. I don't know. I've been rambling, Justin. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, you said that we weren't exactly going to bring up positional value. I think you were hinting at that, but I am, and my stance has been the same, but also I'm not going to be like, oh, super mad and super pounding the table that they took him. I was super mad and pounding the table at the time, but time has passed, and I'm confident in the direction that the Giants are going. But So the question is, was taking Saquon Barkley worth it? Simple, it's worth it if they win, right? Yeah, <laughs> just like just like with anything, what player would have made like uh, Lamar Jackson is the one answer where it's like okay that would have been the right pick, um because of what Lamar is doing and someone actually asked us a question about Lamar we'll get to later, but I mean I just don't look at anybody in that draft and being like and it's like they they change the with the way this team is winning games Quentin Nelson does not change does I don't think he's adds a win, uh in the last two years I'm sorry like I just don't. Yeah, so I'm not ready to play Monday morning quarterback like that, Bobby. And that's why you're not going to see me pounding the table over taking him, even though I really disagree with it, because really it comes down to a philosophical standpoint, where a lot of people on Twitter, and when we have this conversation of 2018 and the number two draft pick and was it right or wrong, a lot of people therefore ask, if you disagree with the pick, they go and they ask, oh, well, who would you have taken? Who would you have taken? And you know what? That's where you got me. You got me. I wanted a quarterback because in in my mind, in my brain, uh, that was going to be the last time that the Giants were going to have a top five, top 10, maybe not not top 10, but a top 10, uh, top five or a top three draft pick for the next 10 to 15 years because I wanted the quarterback because I knew that Eli Manning was done. I I was done with Eli Manning after after 2017. I I think the Giants were fine with that team going for it. 
and I know we disagree. Again, I was I was totally fine with that team going for it. Um, and I and I think it was and I think it was a couple wasted seasons there because I think the Giants were ready to move on. But we're not going to talk about it. That's not. A, but I'm just telling you my brain and you know philosophically, I do not agree with taking a running back at number two. I just don't. So you can Monday morning back, you can Monday morning quarterback it all day and say, well, Justin, who would you have taken? Who would you have taken? Would you have taken Darnold? Would you have wanted Rosen? Would you have taken Mayfield? Would you have wanted uh, uh, um, Nelson? Would you have traded down? I don't know. I can't go back and do that. I'm also not a general manager. At the time, I was 20 years old <laughs> also. So I was barely, I was a kid and I was barely still just getting into this. So, but philosophically, Bobby, because of the value of the running back, and because running backs are so predicated on the success of the offensive line, and have we not seen that, especially, was week one not the pure prime example, and a lot of games in 2019, the pure prime example of running backs just being so, so dependent on the success of everything else around them, and I even, you know, I wrote the blog over the, you know, just over the summer about Saquon Barkley separating offensive line production and his individual performance. And the individual performance that a running back gives you is just not, not a lot. It's really not a lot. Of course, it's there's the receiving game as well. But Bobby, we're still going to be talking about positional value. Let's jump to quarterback. And I know that's that may not be the most fair thing to do because quarterback is just so much more valuable than everything else. But Daniel Jones... Monday night, nothing was working around him. Pass protection was solid, but really, nothing else was really working around him. But it was his arm, his decision-making, his ability to push the ball down the field, his mobility that kept us in that football game. And if it, and it also, his decision-making also lost us the football, football game, you can say. So that position is just so, so valuable. And at that time, ignoring it, um, I feel really set us back a couple years. Now, let me say, I'll end on this. Am I happy with where we're at? Yes. Do I right. still disagree with that 2018 pick? Yes. But I'm also not going to Monday morning quarterback it because I know that the options of Darnold and Rosen s- suspect. And that's where, if you can't take a quarterback, you don't believe him. Um, so if the question was, if the question was Jones or Barkley, then I agree. I would have went Daniel Jones. Anyways, let's. Let's move on. I really do hate having this freaking conversation over and over again. No, I'm not going to act like, and you know, just because I disagree with it, I'm not going to be this person that's going to act like, oh, I wanted Quentin Nelson or I wanted to trade back. I'm not going to act like that. So I, it was a tough situation, but philosophically, ne- I would never, ever do that. Right. Never take a running back. All right. Next, next question. Next question, we have, back to football, uh, Tim Coffey. Um, based on Engram slash Barkley's all-pro level of play, are you ready for that 13-23 and 23 personnel yet? We kind of saw it a little bit. We saw it too Engram much, is, Tim <laughs> Coffey. It was a bad night for you, Tim. Yeah, Engram at wide receiver, let's face it, in 13-23 and 23 packages, that's what he is. Split him out wide and an effing wide receiver. So he really wants to see Evan Engram off of the line of scrimmage on 13 personnel um, and as a wide receiver. You can play Evan Ingram at tight end, but you can't play him at tight end when you are bringing two other tight ends and having them all together. Because then you're just asking for him to be, you're asking for him to fail that way. When you have him in three wide receivers, a running back, and stuff spread out, you can play Evan Ingram at tight end. 
You can work him on a double to a linebacker. But when it's like, hey, man, just go block this defensive end on the interior. That's when it screws us. And I did a breakdown on it. That's where it screwed us. Um, Evan Ingram played horrible. His stock probably has never been lower after that game. I, I just don't see him moving out to wide receiver. I just don't see it happening. Um, but it's the three tight end running eight versus nine. We can't continue to do that. That's that's where I stand with the whole three tight ends. Not, I say we should use all three tight ends, but not having them all three boxed up together and trying to run right into the teeth of a defense. We we can't do yeah. that. Yeah, Bobby, you broke Especially down the, the personnel group. You broke down the personnel grouping frequency versus the Steelers on Monday night uh, from Monday night, and we ran thirteen personnel thirty two percent of the time. Which again, thirteen personnel is one wide receiver, three tight ends, one running back. So 32% of the time, and you also made clear that it wasn't until the fourth quarter where the Giants were losing and they started to spread it out a little bit more. And what are you doing when you're losing? You're throwing the ball. So actually that percentage through quarters one through three is actually much higher. So we were really running out of 13 personnel and heavy running formation so often. And Bobby, why that's a bad thing. We talked about it on uh, Monday night for, for Tuesday's podcast, but now I actually gathered some stats and I actually looked at all of Saquon Barkley's rushing attempts from Monday night, besides one, there was one really good rushing attempt that he had on like a third and 18. That was a draw that went for a lot of yards. I voided that. I didn't count that because it's just a wasted play. Um, so the Giants on average for Saquon Barkley's rushing attempts were running the ball into seven and three quarter men boxes on average. So most of the time they were running into like eight, nine men boxes and you're just setting yourself up for failure. When you're running into those boxes and you're in heavy offensive personnel, when you're having three t tight ends on the field, when you have two tight ends on the field and you have Elijah Penny out there, you know, it, you're just setting yourself up for failure, asking a brand new offensive line to go up against. I know you said we need to stop using the excuse that we're playing a good defense, but let's, but coaching needs to adjust to the circumstances where we're a brand new offensive line playing a stout defensive front in the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's one of the best in the entire national football league. It's unfair to expect these guys to just go pound to pound head to head. And we're going to win our matchups. It's unfair to expect that week one. Oh, can't play that one. That one's only for Patreons later. Sorry. That guy said some bad stuff. Can't play that. All right, here we go. Hey, Talking Giants, this is Greg from Connecticut, diehard Bleed Blue fan. Uh, question for you, how do you guys feel about Jason Garrett's first week performance as the new offensive coordinator? Uh, I have a few opinions, but I wanted to hear your guys first. Thanks a lot. Thank you for calling in. I'm Greg from Connecticut. So, I was kind of surprised um, about some of the stuff. The three tight end stuff, we basically just hit on that. I will say, because this is going back to Saquon, the Steelers set out to stop Saquon, and Daniel Jones had the second most play action yards per play uh, Sunday night on, I think, on 10 play action attempts. So it wasn't like it was like one. we did three plays and the 41-yard bomb like made it uneven. Um, it, so, Bobby, uh, do you need a successful running game for play action to be successful? You need... But they were like going. Uh -huh. They uh -huh. were going at Saquon. He's the best run, you know, top three running back in the oh, league. They set okay. out to stop him. Okay. They set out. Okay. They set out to stop him, which they did. Um, credit to them. Okay. Um, some things I didn't like from Garrett. I did like the passing game a little bit because it was. I like what the mindset of Jones. Like we're playing this good Steelers defense. Get the ball out quick and then pick and choose your battles. That's exactly what he did. The only 
deep shot was a touchdown. He picked and chooses his battles, getting the ball out quick. Um, also held on, like had some ballsy throws. And the more we'll, we'll talk about that when we get asked about Daniel Jones, but I like what he did with Daniel Jones. What I didn't like you pointed out, we only ran to the left one time. And Will Hernandez played just fine. I don't know why people were trashing him. Andrew Thomas played really good. I don't know why we didn't run to the left more. Didn't like that. We didn't run any RPOs. Um, and with Bud Dupree screaming off the backside, an RPO would have helped. Because that means Daniel Jones could have took one. Or if a linebacker was playing Daniel Jones, a slant would have been wide open. We should have done RPOs. And he did that in Dallas with Dak. Um, Shermer did that with e- Shermer did RPOs with Eli, believe it or not. And he did it with Jones. I don't understand why there wasn't any RPOs. And I know you got a couple other things on like motion and stuff. Yeah. Um, but first we'll go to we'll go to that directional running for a second. There was actually two rushing attempts that went to the left side. One was by Deion Lewis. He his only carry was he avoided a, a defender in the backfield. He actually broke a tackle, um, and he got one yard on the play. So all throughout that Monday fo- Monday night football game, and I believe this includes Jones Jones scrambles as well because Jones was scrambling to his right. Um, two rushing attempts to the left side. So you can make the argument all night about, well, Bud Dupree made plays, Bud Dupree made plays. Well, the reason why he's making plays is because he's given the time to scrape across the entire line of scrimmage when you're running these outside zone plays or even when you're you know, even when you're running some in, some inside inside zone stuff, but when Saquon Barkley has to stop because there's already a guy in the backfield, no wonder an unblocked edge rusher in Bud Dupree is going to come back and sweep up and make that play. So that's one thing. Um, and then the second thing is Bobby just alluded to pre-snap motion. The first column that I'm going to read is motion at the snap. So the first percentage that they used was 1.6% of motion at the snap. That was very low. That was 30th in the National Football League. And then uh, the second thing that I'm going to read is pre-snap motion just in general. You know, before the snap of the ball, pre-snap motion just in general. That was 9.4%, and that was last in the National Football League. Last. Dead last. The giant, the, in the, the gap between the, the 32nd ranked team and the Giants and using pre-snap motion and the 31st team, there's like a 20% difference. So that's just that's just brutal. That's, I, I think that's brutal because especially when you are going up against such a tough defense, giving Daniel Jones any kind of cues to see what's going on pre-snap is very, very important. However, Bobby, it didn't really seem like he needed it, though, because Jones wasn't really the problem. You know us. We are not overreact, guys. First game of Garrett I didn't like. I, I, no. I, I just I didn't did like not. it. I'm not going to judge him off one game, but first game I, just, I didn't like it. Um, I don't feel like that's playing the results either. You know, especially because of high shotgun rate that we saw that he was in. Now, I I didn't go back and I didn't actually do the whole, you know, shotgun percentage and how often Daniel Jones was in the shotgun. But when you're in 13 personnel, you're not running 13 personnel out of the shotgun, Bobby. So the fact that we were in 13 personnel so much through quarters one through three, you want Daniel Jones to be operating out of the shotgun because he's just much better than he is when he's operating under center. Um, you're also more likely to spread out the field when you're in when you're operating out of shotgun. Even if you're running 12 personnel out of shotgun, Bobby, I feel defenses are less likely to stack the box. Even though you're in the same personnel, I still do feel like defenses won't stack the boxes as much. And also, this is more or less just an offensive point. Uh, the Giants' average starting field position for four out of our ten offensive drives, it started on average on the Giants' 42-yard line. Three of them were three and outs, and the other was an interception of TJ Watt. So 
This Giants team and Jason Garrett, they need to take advantage of when they have good opportunities. The 19-play drive that we had, it started on the Giants' 8-yard line. So kudos to them for really putting together a good drive. But the fact that we were gifted beautiful field positions so much throughout the game, especially the first three quarters, and we did nothing with it. Um, oh, and also, we were gifted the ball on the 3-yard line and only turned that into a field goal. So, sucks. Yeah. Um the Steelers sold out on the run this game, and they did a, a great job of it. And I just feel like there are some ways we could have done that to make the passing game even stronger, but also help the run game. So I, was, I wasn't I was happy with Garrett's first game. Um, but also, I don't want to be too mad because I, I like I like what he did. I like the way Jones has been trained this offseason. Maybe I think a lot of that probably is more credit just to Jones for the hard worker he is. Yeah. But he seems smarter, man. Like there, we have a question about him. We'll get to, but anyways, yeah. next mailbag question. Yeah, Garrett even started out the game by really spreading it out to that slant to Shepard. So I don't know why he didn't continue that. But um, hey, Riddle did did do. Let's talk about the defense a little bit. How do you guys see Logan Ryan being used, Bobby? I'm I don't really have an answer to this question, but this is something that I'm just really thinking about because the way that he was used and also the way that Darnay Holmes was used. Um, I think Darnay Holmes is going to be a huge, huge question mark. He was really picked on. Um, the he, he received some like 30 coverage snaps or something like that. He was really picked on when he was in there situationally. And Logan Ryan li- lining up at like linebacker and still getting like limited snaps. He didn't get all the snaps in the world. He didn't get most of the snaps. So it's still a question mark until in terms of his role on the team. And I think that's still in play and that's still a process that's happening. I want him to play nickel. It seems like they're gonna be he's gonna be a safety linebacker. Which also is intriguing of just playing those three safeties a lot. It's hard to say what happened exactly because the the NFL just didn't put out the all twenty two film. That's what usually yeah. this show is based off of. Um and the hardest thing to judge is defensive backs um through the T V copy. So I don't know for sure. Um, uh, but it, it seems like he's gonna play that linebacker safety role, especially when we had two inside linebackers. And one of them was Devontae Downs on on Monday. We talked about this on Tuesday about how the Steelers were doing nothing really extraordinary in terms of how they were running the ball. Even though they finished with 140 rushing yards, their quarters won. You know, pretty much that first half and when the game actually mattered, the rush defense was pretty good. So even though Logan Ryan was lining up at linebacker a lot of the time and it was pretty situational how they were using him and Devontae Downs as being like that second interior linebacker right next to Blake Martinez, the rushing defense didn't suffer, which is good. Which is good. For sure. All right, next mailbag. What's going on, Talking Giant? Dan from uh, Staten Island, New York, third-time caller. Uh, sorry if it's a little too loud on my end. I'm currently getting my car repaired. <laughs> um, so after week one, after we watched the Monday night football game against the Steelers, how are we feeling about the direction this team is going in? All right, I know, I know Corey Valentine was a bit of a struggle, but other than that, I think the secondary didn't do that terrible. You know, the front seven did great, in my opinion. You know, we had out there again, one tackle for a loss. We got Leonard Williams finally getting a sack. I think that's a big plus, in my opinion. <laughs> um, and the offense, you know, we got to get the rush game going. But to be fair, Steelers, they have a great defense. I can't I can't lie about that. But um, overall, I just want to hear you guys' opinion on this. All right, go Giants. Thank you. So basically the question is, what are, you, what are your thoughts on the defense as a whole? I'm pretty happy with what the defense is. I thought the things that we expected to struggle didn't struggle as bad as we thought. And we saw guys play really good. He mentioned Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. Those dudes 
brought it. They brought it in the game. Lorenzo Carter seemed to show up. Blake Martinez was making plays. And then in the secondary, I like what Graham did. You'll look at the end of the game and say, ooh, Corey Ballantyne, Corey Ballantyne. But they play, they they hid Corey Ballantyne basically as long as you could. And then they started doing some comebacks and stuff like that. Um, and I think Big Ben's a, Q, a good QB. And the Steelers have some good wide receivers. And my hope going into this game is that, you know, these next two weeks, we are playing Mitchell Trubisky and Jimmy Garoppolo. I think we can hide... Um, I think we can hide Corey Ballantyne a lot better on those guys than we can against the Steelers. So that is the hope. Um, the Giants advanced, and like advanced stash regular stance were kind of middle of the pack in almost every category, like right around that 14th to 17th area. And with what we expect out of this defense, I am very happy with the defense because um, they exceeded my expectations. Maybe my expectations were too low, but I, I'm happy with what we saw out of the defense and Patrick Graham besides the two-minute drill. Yeah, my only worry is that smart offensive minds and cough, cough, Kyle Shanahan is going to do this. He is going to, these offensive minds and these offensive-minded coaches, they're going to find ways to exploit the weak parts on this defense. And the Steelers didn't do it until the second half. Now you can, I'm I'm not smart enough to where either that was negligence on on the Steelers' part or that was good for Patrick Graham for scheming and hiding Corey Ballantyne, hiding Darnay Holmes. I'm not smart enough to make that determination. We also don't have the all 22. But yes, you overall have to you have to feel really good, especially with the individual performances that you got. It wasn't just by wasn't just by chance that this defense you know played pretty well, especially throughout the first half. It wasn't it wasn't by chance. Um, Leonard Williams did have a sack. Dexter Lawrence did have a sack. Lorenzo Carter also had a sack. Um, there was some more QB hits. Leonard Williams had a few QB hits. Lorenzo Carter, by the way, played ninety eight percent of the snaps, and then the drop off with the rest of the edge rushers was just significant. Significant. I don't even know if another edge rusher, this includes Zimenez, Fakro, Golden. I don't know if another edge rusher had over 50% of the snaps. They didn't. Fakro was second with 44, I believe. And they were dropping Fakro back in coverage per, uh, a lot too. Fakro made some plays. Uh, Fakro made some plays down the field. But Carter looked very, very comfortable in coverage. And I think that's why he was really on the field for 98% of the snaps. He wasn't always rushing the passer. Um, however, when he was rushing the passer, he had a few moves where uh, Carter likes to do that like one-hand stem stem move with tackles, like pushing the pushing guys back with that one with that one hand and trying to make a play on the quarterback with the other hand, which is really, really good. It worked for him pretty well on the right side of the defense. But him in coverage, he looked very, very comfortable, he even allowed a little completion for like three yards. Um, really did a nice job. Yeah, I, I was I was pretty impressed with with the defense as a whole. All right, I'm gonna do the last voicemail, and then we're just gonna finish it off with mailback questions. Sound good? Yeah, let's right. go. Hey guys, I was just want to let y'all know uh, I'm very very pleased with what I saw on Saturday. Defense is flying around after DJ threw that pick, kind of deflated the tires a little bit. You know, took every the wind out of the sails. Makes sense. Got a little sloppy after that, but you know. I'm proud. DJ played a good fucking game, and uh, whoa, you know, gives the corn the ball still because you know he's still a beast. All right, Bobby. I don't know what half of that voicemail said, but it complimented Daniel Jones. That's and it dropped an it dropped dropped an f bomb. So yes, I'm with you. Yeah, yes. Jones. I am very impressed with Jones, man. And I did some, like, looked at the advanced stats that Pro Football Reference does on him. Um, And, I mean, let me just read some of these. 
one, it felt like Duke all over again. Um, he was oh, second God. in, in pressure go. percentage and second in drops. It, it, Wait, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. And I'm going to ask you, uh, you know, again, you know, you're, you're getting into analytics, so I'm going to challenge you a little bit. You do have to remember when we talk about pressure percentage, you do have to remember that Daniel Jones did hold on to the ball for slightly longer than average. His average time to throw was around 2.72 seconds. Now... But if he do didn't do that, we would have, pro- he would have taken. We would have misplayed. Like that drive was correct. No, th- no. That Let me finish. Let me finish, Bobby Skinner. Do we think the pressure percentage is inflated because Daniel Jones does hold on to the ball, and that is a good thing. That is a good thing that he wants to push the ball down the field. So that's where my brain is at. Where a lot of people are bringing up offensive line pass protection, offensive line pass protection, and Daniel Jones being pressured. He's being pressured because he's willing to stand in the pocket and make plays down the field and not just being checked down, checked down, checked down, because if he was checking the ball down constantly left and right, then the pressure percentage would be a lot lower. Yeah, but we also want him to – we want we need to protect for him to be able to make those plays. Like It's not like up. Which we can't I just think sa- he we was. Can't sacrifice. I, he was protected. That drive he, overall, he was pretty protected this that, this game. Th- that thought, nineteen play drive, people will remember the last play. But you know what? Here's why that last play, the further away from we get it, the less I'm bothered by it. There's three, four plays where it's similar to that. Now not like, you know, running across his body, but where he is he is hanging in there. I mean hanging in there to make yeah. a play. And if it didn't I so I get that you don't want that interception, but then like you the bad happens with the good sometimes. DJ's going to make some of those plays going forward because he makes those plays that wow you. So um, the whole like, oh, well, you know, the pressure is higher. We need to be able to block for him to hold on to the ball a little longer. Um, well, well, Bobby, how much longer can you expect the offensive line to block? Because he's already holding on to the ball for decently long. And that's when fine. it's designed that, to be longer, perfect. longer. When it's not, less. Well, I my whole point is that after watching, and again, we didn't we don't have the old twenty two, unfortunately, but after watching the condensed version a second time, and particularly looking for moments other than obviously just you know uh, Cam Fleming being bad and Saquon Barkley obviously allowing a sack, and you know just the snap of your fingers and somebody misses an assignment, the pass protection was pretty darn good, and it did allow Daniel Jones to make those plays down the field. Yeah, it takes that's one week. So a lot of people. But, but a lot of people that are pointing out how the pressures were high and the pressure percentage was high, I think that's skewed because Daniel Jones does hold on to the ball. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's a good thing. We both agree on that. But again, when you're looking at these analytics and when you're looking at these numbers, you have to remember that they're nuanced and it's not just because of one particular reason. I mean, they also blitzed him 26 times, which was first in the NFL. So that has something to do with it too. It wasn't just... Him holding onto the ball, they blitzed the crap out of him. I'll be interested to see if teams do that going forward. Um, but he's had the second most drops. If you account for drops, his completion percentage goes up ten percent. Um, he was hit four times; that was the sixth most. Uh, hurries nine times; that was the most. Blitz was the most. We didn't run any RPOs. Yards per scramble seven point seven yards twelfth. Yards per play action twelve point five first. The Steelers wanted to stop the run; they did that, but it, it made them a little weaker on the back end. Um, not a, mo- a lot of yak, and he was getting the ball out quick because the air yards weren't like he was twenty six in air yards. So he, w- you know, he has some times where he's holding on to the ball, um, but he also like realized who he was playing and got the ball out quicker at times too. Cor- correct, but it's also a sign that a guy's going through his progressions too. Yeah, 
Just because your air yards is decently low doesn't mean that you're getting the ball out of your hands. It means that maybe you're just going through your progressions and you're checking it down and you're making a smart decision. So there's also that too. But so there's nuance. And the whole point did he get of the ball out quicker talking, than you expected in most game than in most games last year? Like if we're playing Pittsburgh yes. Week Nine last year, he get, doesn't get the ball out as quick as he did this year. Yes. Because you want to know what he looked active in the pocket, and he's smart. He looked active in the pocket too. He he looked smart, and the reason why, like Bobby and I, we're, we're disagreeing, but we're also not disagreeing, because we're talking about how there was diversity to Daniel Jones's performance on Monday night. There was bad, <laughs> but the good wasn't just oh Daniel Jones was solely relying on checking it down and getting the ball out of his hands quick. He was solely relying on the deep play. He was solely relying on Darius Slayton catching the ball between the 10 to 19 yard range. That's not the case. What we're really trying to do right now, and Bobby bringing up these numbers, and I love this back and forth, especially about the numbers, is we're trying to contextualize Daniel Jones's performance on Monday night was very diverse, and he was not relying on one single thing to make him successful. Yeah, I was I I am I was very proud of him. Um, and I can't wait to see what against. We got a lot of good defenses going forward. I'm excited to see how he handles it. Um, you know, I think it'll get better. And you know, you're not going to have him getting a ball tipped up like that at the end zone, and you're not going to have T.J. Watt, you know, making that type of play every single week. So, um, I was very proud of his game. All right, next question. Finish mailbag. Mailbag the 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 rest of the way out. Yeah, we got a few other mailbag questions. We were just talking about offensive line, and we got this as we after we recorded. So, not sure how prepared we are to answer this question. Jeff Boyd, the Boyd Wonder. Boyd, are there any O line free agents that could replace Fleming's uh, Cam Fleming and keep Gates at center? Which I wouldn't think so at this point. If we're talking about the start, I would rather start Matt Parrott then pick someone off of the scrap heap that didn't make a 53-man roster. Do we have any right? other questions about the offensive line? So, Because we do need to clear up some Gates, Zeitler, Hernandez stuff. Is there any other questions? Um, No. No other question about the offensive line, unfortunately. So, I went back and watched again. Gates struggled more than I thought than when I watched the – like, I went pretty quickly on Sunday on Monday night because it was a night game. He did struggle. There were some, um, a couple plays where he just got totally beat um, and some, some mental stuff. And um, and it's fair because, you know, I was taking a victory lap on Thomas. They're like, okay, but what about Nick Gates? He struggled. Gates may not work out at center. And if he doesn't, and he like if he continues to struggle, I'll be the first person to say it. Maybe I won't be the first person. Actually, I won't be the first person. But this is what I'm saying is we're not going to figure that out after one game. And they're like, well, how come like you're – you're out on Fleming after one game, you're high on Thomas, and then Gates is away in C type of thing. Well, Thomas, we, what we saw at Georgia translates to the NFL quick. And that's what we, one thing we liked about Georgia, or at, him at Georgia, is when he went up against the NFL players, Kalevon Chasen, Josh Allen, um, Romeo, or not Romeo, Julian Aquora, he dominated those guys. So I, that's why I was not afraid of Bud Dupree going into this game. I was not afraid of Bud Dupree. What I did say going into the game is that Cam Fleming's just not good, and I'm not expecting much out of him, and he's shown that. So he is who I thought he was, who he was in Dallas last year. Gates, we've seen him go three for three in his career, not at center. I understand that point. But if he doesn't work out at center, we're not going to know after one game. We, You have to give it time. Um, let him figure it out. We've seen him be a good offensive lineman, and if he's not, then he switches back to either guard or tackle. But if, I think... Moving him to right tackle right now would be short-sighted because then we don't have we don't have any option for center and um, uh, pulley who was like people who calling for pulley 
Think about what Gates was. Pulley was worse against the Jets. The Jets. I was, that was going to be my next. That was going to be my next question to you to kind of just contextualize <laughs> what we're experiencing. I was going to Bobby. Was this game just flat out worse than what Spencer Pulley did last year? And if the answer was no, then it's all right. Let the kid grow. Let the kid rock yeah, and roll. And you know what? He may not be the long term center either. Either, but he's better than Spencer Pulley. Um, and if he's not, then we try and figure out who our center is going forward, whether it's through yeah. free agency, the draft, and Gates either plays right tackle if Pear isn't good enough, or he's uh, replaces Zeitler if we move on from him, or he's or he's a rotation guy. But we don't we we have to give Gates time. It would be silly to not. And coming off the COVID offseason, we said to expect some weird yeah. stuff, especially with this offensive line. We saw it, um, and Kevin Zeitler played bad. That was the worst game Kevin Zeitler yeah. played as a Giant. He, he, I thought he played worse than Gates. And then Will Hernandez played fine. I had, I saw some a couple of people being like, Will Hernandez just isn't good. Will Hernandez played just fine. And and new listeners, please never tweet PFF grades at me. Um, I don't respect PFF grades. They do some cool stats and stuff like that, but don't tweet their grades at me. Sorry, I ranted way too long, Justin. No, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I guess you know to put it just just to put a bow on it. Nobody else on the offensive line exactly got glowing reviews or glowing performances besides Andrew Thomas in the past game. I'm not, uh, Bobby, it, 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 well, we can't even fully speak on how Andrew Thomas did in the run game because they didn't even run towards him. So we can't even like talk about that. Um, but nobody, nobody else exactly had glowing, uh, glowing performances on the offensive line. So criticizing Nick Gates because he was slow to start at center. And again, not to keep on saying that this was a good defensive front. Because we're going to be playing good defensive fronts, defensive fronts all season. Give it time, give it time, give it time. But Bobby, Offensive lines just get better quickly, as the season goes along. They they do. It is the group that needs that takes the longest to communicate with each other. Um, because more than any other position group, they have to flow together and work together in harmony and and in, in like a symphony. Um, I will say about Andrew Thomas. I just wrote down some notes when I watched the condensed version. I purposely slowed down some plays, um, and I got really giddy. It was he was so fun to watch, Bobby. Beautiful footwork, quick and balanced feet, holding his own, not allowing too much penetration. It, it, it just it not only was a like you know we describe Andrew Thomas as a prospect as the guy just did his job, and it may not always look the prettiest, but Bobby, this just looked beautiful he was a technician out there he didn't allow that penetration and lo and behold we had good left tackle play and we also had better quarterback play see how see how those two things are somewhat correlated to each other yeah very impressed with thomas next question next question we only have a few left let's go to this given the blocking incompetence demonstrated by saquon and engram versus pittsburgh do you think Joe Judge might regret taking Evan Ingram's fifth-year option? How likely do the Giants uh, look to trade either player? I'm already dreading Saquon's next mega contract, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, and this is Tauzino at Red Yeti 9. I'm sorry I did not say your name in the beginning. I'm also dreading the Saquon extension. There's no reason to not um, pick up the option on Ingram. You don't lose anything. If anything, it, it helps. It makes it easier to trade him if you want to trade him. Ingram had his worst game. I'm I've never been as low on Ingram, um, but I said the other day he could also have one of those four game stretches where he's having a hundred plus yards and they figure out how to use him better. We know who Ingram is. Use him better. The drops, that's totally on him. There's um, there's there's bad stuff, but I also like 
I don't want to put Evan Ingram in those situations where he needs to be like this great blocker either. So, um, but yeah, there would, there would be no reason to not ex- uh, pick up the fifth year option on him. Yeah, that's the whole point that we started off the the show with when we were talking about the rushing offense, about using that heavy personnel, especially when you have Evan Ingram out there and you're relying on a player that's a good effort blocker, but he's just flat out, he's not he's not a great blocker. He's a good effort blocker. I, I wouldn't even call him a good blocker. Um, you're setting yourself up for failure, and you have to know that if you're the Giants. Um, so that's where we're at. Um, rooting, rooting for him to really pick it up because this offense needs it. I'm, I'm not really freaking out over it. Guys have bad games. I'm not freaking out over Evan Ingram. Give, give if he does it again week two, then I'm in, a, then I'm in a more negative spot. Next question. Next question. Let's roll these last few. All right. At NY Giants Talk Three, would either of you give up BJ Hill and a third round pick? For Allen Robinson. Absolutely. Allen Robinson's an awesome player. He would um, change teams to to run a little more too high safety. It helps him. You give Jones those two options of him and Slate on the outside. Shep fits back in the slot. Absolutely. Uh, Allen Robinson was already my number one free agency target for 2021. If you can trade him and lock up an extension, we don't want another Leonard Williams situation. And when I say, yeah, like, mm-hmm. it, like not lock up the extension after the year, like you trade for him and you sign him to extension the next day. Um, I'm all for it. I think Allen Robinson is a great player and don't and miss me with, well, we need other positions. Trading for Allen Robinson doesn't stop us from getting other positions. No, and, uh, and teams have done that before. Teams have traded for guys, and then literally the next day they put pen to paper on an extension. It's usually so what not it realistic. is, honestly. Yeah. When it's a contract yeah. dispute, that's usually what it, it happens. I think the Bears are going to ask more from the Giants uh, than B.J. Hill, who's a who's like a third-string interior defense, a fourth-string inter- interior defensive lineman, um, has more talent than that, and a third-round pick. I think they would ask for more for Allen Robinson. but I trade him for Evan Ingram straight up. Dalvin Tomlinson straight up. That wouldn't make sense because you're talking about both guys who, who need contract extensions anyway, and Allen Robinson needs a contract extension. So um, obviously those Dalvin? guys aren't going to get straight as much up. money. Well, I don't think they would. I, I still don't think. How about da- – I mean, I think Dalvin and a third or a second round pick is something that the Bears might consider. What Would, would you do that? Maybe. That's tough. Yeah, I would. I would. I would. All right, next That's question. Tough. Next question, I believe... Nope, we have two questions left. Um, this one we're going to fly through. Gazman asked a doozy of a question. Will Darius Slayton end up with a more successful career than that guy we traded last year that lots of people want back? He will never be a better player than Odell, but I guess it depends on what your career of, uh, of definition of success. Could he be a part of winning more games? Absolutely. Um, could he fit a better role and not be a huge pain in the ass? Yes, but just flat out like on the field better. No, he's he's not going to be better than Odell, and that's not a that's not a uh, that's not um that's a not a knock on Slayton. Slayton. It's just saying Odell like Odell is an awesome receiver when he's right. Um, I'm glad we traded him. He was a pain in the ass, and we got a lot back for yeah. him. Um, but yeah, uh, Slayton, I, he's I don't think he'll ever put up what Odell did. Yeah, Giants fans need to remember sometimes that Odell Beckham Jr. was literally the best wide receiver on pace. He was on pace to be the best wide receiver in NFL history in his first like three years. Um, but he was a pain in the pain in the ass, like Bobby said. Um, there are things that 
You can just see as a fan and common sense things that he's done in Cleveland, things that he's been allowed to do in Cleveland that the Giants have kept under wraps as the years have gone on. So the, we got good return for him. I think Odell's, o, Odell might retire because <laughs> he's just so Baker done. sucks. Um, yeah. He had time to throw. The yeah. running game was working. I get they're playing against a good Baltimore defense. But Baker Baker sucks. He's just a loud mouth, so people give him more respect. Um, all right, next question. Last question. Enter name here at enter name here 33. Non-Giants related, but what do you think of Lamar Jackson's future in the NFL as a passer? I think he can be a top three guy with Mahomes and Wilson for the next 10 years as a thrower and a runner. A little preview of talking football right now. I was one of the people that said Lamar Jackson, he's, he's not accurate enough. It's not going to work. Uh, yeah. Let Lamar Jackson be Lamar Jackson. Do what the Ravens did. Don't try and fit guys in, you know, like Joe Judge um, put uh, round holes in the square pegs. Let Lamar be who Lamar is, and that's what the Ravens have done. And he obviously won the MVP. He started off real hot again this year. Um, I The whole playoff thing, I think it's overblown, and but then also over-defended because playoff football is a different brand of football. Okay, you're not going to be like defenses are way more tuned in and you're playing against the best defenses every week. Um, So I do think that actually is a concern to see what he's going to be like in the playoffs. Like, can he win three playoff games in a row, a.k.a. win the Super Bowl? Um, I think that gets overblown by some people who are like, see, he's not that good. But also, I don't think it's totally invalid to like point that out a little bit, too. So Lamar is an amazing player is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, last year was his first full year. How long did it take Peyton Manning to to really have any kind of success in the playoffs? And we consider him the greatest quarterback of all time. Bobby, the, the wow plays that we no, saw from you, Lamar Jackson. You do not say we with that. Peyton Manning is not the greatest QB of all time. Oh wow, who who do you think is the greatest QB of all time? Tom Brady. Easy. That's an easy Shut one up. for me. That's an easy one for me. Gosh, we're gonna we're gonna argue that one day on talking football. We're gonna we're gonna argue that. Peyton's, Peyton's another guy so who struck like he, when things weren't going perfectly. He was I, that's why I liked Eli was more of a playoff guy than Peyton. Well, Brady's I the same way when things aren't going right. Brady has played in multiple systems and made it work. That's why they're like, oh, Brady's a system QB. It's like you don't realize how many times they've changed the system over there. Um, anyways, Brady's the goat. But Lamar Jackson's wild plays on Sunday um, weren't when he was running the ball. It was when. He was throwing the ball deep down the field to Andrews, and he, hey, they they even got wide receivers involved over there in Baltimore, which is which was pretty rare for them. So the wild plays that he had, um, and the accuracy which he threw, especially the deep ball, uh, was really really fun to see. And if he can continue to build on that, I mean, sure, I, I don't know, and this is why I'm saying I I don't I don't know if I want to call him as talented of a thrower as Mahomes and Wilson because those two dudes are just on a totally other planet. But if but if that part of his game can improve, because Bobby, I mean, the, the throws that he made in week one with the accuracy that he made those throws, it really took me aback. So uh, good for him. Uh, scary, because we are playing them later this year. Yeah. Um, all right, that's an episode. We'll be back tomorrow with our preview show. Um, we have Robert Smith. So if you listen to the preview shows last year, Robert Smith is coming back on to talk about the Bears, and then we'll do all of our stuff. We appreciate you guys. Numbers have been through the roof. We almost doubled our daily record. And we set our daily record like a week and a half ago. So appreciate you guys. Numbers have been great. We will see you tomorrow. Until then, let's go Big 
Blue.